1: 225 274 1607, or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. all I today, Master, Savior. I have come to seek
0: you. Put your hand on your heart. We're going to pray for you today. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you. That you are so awesome. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our lives today, we pray. That God, we would not leave here the same way in which we came. But we would leave changed, transformed and renewed. In Jesus' name, shout amen. Come on, high five someone around. So you're looking good, looking good, looking good. Welcome each and every one to a place where life starts, love happens and your purpose is revealed. Great to see some new Faces in the house and new family members, we want to welcome you today and we pray that you have felt so welcome. On behalf of Kelly and I, we get the privilege each Sunday to be able to pastor one of the greatest churches, we believe, on the face of the earth. And church isn't just the building, the church is the people. And we've got some great people as we saw on Friday night at our crossroads, Kelly and I were just blown away with the testimonies, just incredible testimonies. One young lady showed a picture of a bridge that three years ago she was living under, strung out by drugs and alcohol, had taken her children to a police station and said, I can't manage them anymore, I'm an unfit parent, handed her kids to the police and walked out, and God has saved her life, transformed her life, she has a steady job now, she has custody of her children again. and she has been raised up as one of our new leaders for Crossroads every Friday night. God is doing great, great, yeah. great things. One guy testified that he had an $8,500 check in his mailbox on Friday. And he said, I'm so glad that I can spend it on the right things this time. Because other times I would have been high and that money would have all been gone. But God's changed my life. Come on. Man. Come on, whip harder and see if people change." And we're just excited about that. And that's why we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is God's promise to His church. It's the promise that God wants to be to each and every one of our lives. This month we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Each message we're asking, come with a blank page. Come with an open heart to receive. Why? Because there's so much misunderstanding. There's been so much um, mis- Information that's been given in reference to the Holy Spirit. It's been jumbled up. It's been messed up. So what people want to do is just I'm better off without that. I want you to know today you are not better off with anything that God has to offer for your life. God has great things in store for your life and the enemy wants to turn you off to those things. Please understand having the Holy Spirit with the evidence the infilling power, the evidence of speaking in other tongues, we believe doesn't make you a higher class Christian. You're either saved or you're not. It doesn't make you part of an elite club. But what we'll discover is God clearly says there's an accompanying power that we need for our lives to be the effective witness. I didn't say we couldn't witness and I didn't say we didn't have power. But the Bible clearly says that the God will give you the Holy Spirit yes. with power yes. and ability to witness and to touch this world for Jesus Christ. no one in their right mind would say, I don't want the power of God. But yet when it's presented in the Holy Spirit, we disregard it because of the packaging, because we don't understand it. And that's why each message this month, would be been unpackaging it. We've been showing you from the truth of God's Word what the Holy Spirit is. Here's a statement I want to begin with. Are you ready? The Holy Spirit doesn't make us weird. Do you know any weird Christians? I don't know plenty. Thank God I don't know any in our church. But there's some weird people out there. And a lot of times the weirdness comes... With those who are spirit filled or have the Holy Spirit, they use the gift of God to make themselves weird. Anyone know what I'm talking about? If you don't, great, I'm glad. But I know, and as a result of that crazy and weirdness, people are like, oh, I don't want that. I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit did not come to this earth to ever make us weird, but the Holy Spirit came to make us relevant. To be relevant. To be able to touch and to meet the needs of those around. To say, hey, my life was just like yours, but look what God has done. Because when the Holy Spirit came, men from all different nationalities and tongues heard one thing in common. And that was people giving praise and glory to God about His goodness, His greatness and His mercies. It made them relevant to the world. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So if the Holy Spirit has come upon your life and you're weird, that's not the Holy Spirit. You're misusing the gift of God because it's made to look weird. But that's not what God is. And that's why people shy away. People shy away and say things like this. Man, what if God makes me do something I don't want to do? Read the Word. Because one thing you'll understand is this. God won't fight your will. God God works with a yielded willingness. Vessel. And the enemy wants to keep us resistant. The enemy wants to keep us in opposition to. Why? Because that stops the working of God in each and every one of our lives. And we're not just talking with the Holy Spirit. We're talking in every way. Because if we're resistant to giving and tithing, we won't see the blessing of God. Because He says, I'll open the windows of heaven.
1: If we're resistant
0: to praise and worship, that's the time we can give to God. That's the time we lay down ourselves. That's the vehicle that takes us from our struggles and trials and tribulations and places us in the presence of God. If we're resistant to that, we won't be in a place, in a position to receive the word truly in our lives. The enemy wants us to be resistant and in opposition to these things. For what reason? That we won't open up our hearts and surrender our lives. And that's one of the greatest ways, even with the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's weird. That's crazy. In a resistant way. So the Holy Spirit cannot fully operate in our lives as God wants to. Two weeks ago, we began... Our series, really, we're talking about the who, the who of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? We looked at three key areas. Number one, he is a person. He's not a figure of our imagination. He's not something weird and crazy and a floating spirit. He is a person, and that's what I love about him being a person, because as a person, we can personally relate to him. That's why he came like that, so we can have a personal interaction. But he's not just a person, he's all God. Come on, say that with me. He's all God. He's God. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. The Trinity, three in one. And what's all God is always all good. Amen. Amen. And he is all God. But then he is not just the person. He's not just God. He's the person of God for your life now. Right now. He wants to be that accompanying person. Presence with you, leading you and guiding you in your life right now. If you missed the message, play catch up. You need to be a part of it. So we're going to follow that up now with the what. The what of the Holy Spirit. The who, the what. And next week, Pastor Pete is going to be speaking about the why. Why you need Him in your life. What He is able to do through your life. And the importance of having the Holy Spirit in your life. So what is He What is he? We're going to go on a journey today through the entirety, really, of the scriptures, because we need to discover what he wants to be for your life. And I believe we can see that through what he's been through the ages, because God says, I don't change, I'm the same. So the same God we read of in the word of God from Genesis to Revelation is the same God that wants to be The what of our lives to help us to do what we need to help us in our walk with Him. And we simplified the Holy Spirit really into a statement like this. We believe the Holy Spirit is the power that you need to live, the power that you need to serve, and the power that you need to be. Just to give you that power to live, to serve, and to be. And He's in a great enabling power in our lives, What's our vision statement? Our vision statement here at this church is plain and simply this. We're a place where life starts, where love happens. And what? Purpose is revealed. Life starts with Jesus. There's no greater life than when we experience Jesus. We pray that everyone today, by the end of this message, that will give your life to Christ. Maybe you've come here skeptical. Maybe you've come here and like, man, I don't know. If you're still checking us out, that's okay. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. You're welcome here. Come on, seekers are welcome in this house. Sinners are welcome in this house. You better say amen, because if not, you wouldn't be welcome. Anyone with me on that? So so we welcome that, but we believe and teach that life starts at Jesus, with Jesus, when we come to the cross and give our lives to him. And then love happens. As we know the love of God, then we can be the love of God. We can give the love of God. Some of you were very unlovable. God came into your life, something changed. People have looked and said, what's different about you? You're kind of lovable now. Is that a tear? I just saw some of you with that grinch. And God gave you a heart. Amen. Amen. And we know that love happens. But then the last part is so important that now your purpose needs to be unfolded. Your purpose needs to be revealed in your life. In other words, the life and the love that you have, you need to start putting to. Work. There needs to be an implementation, an action that takes place in your life. And we believe that action can be helped by having the presence of the Holy Spirit with your life.
1: Amen.
0: That we believe that we can help you by leading you and guiding you and showing you this. Here's our theme scripture for the month. Acts 2, 14, verse 17 it says this, but Peter, standing up. This is after Pentecost had come. With the eleven, he raised his voice and he said to all those around, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, listen to my words. Verse 15, for these are not drunk as you suppose. That was the only way man could... Figure it out. or oh, they've got to be intoxicated. There's something crazy and weird. See, from the very beginning, Satan has labelled it as weird. Something out of order. Something in disarray. Peter says from the beginning, hold on a second. It's not what you suppose. It's not what you suppose. Since this is just the third hour, it's just nine o'clock in the morning. They're not raging alcoholics. This is something different. But this is... What I love the King James Version. It says, this is that. Say that with me. This is that. This is that. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel some 800 years before the outpouring. Remember that? God's promise was still in effect. We're going to see that as we look through the word of God. And it says in verse 17, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon flesh, And it goes on, but I love that Peter stands up and says, no, this is that. I want to tell you today, this is that. It's not what you have labeled it. It's not what man, we're going to go on a quest to find out what God has said this is. Because we need to know this is that according to God's word. This is that. So from creation today, we're going to discover... Through the life of those in the Old Testament, through the life of Christ, through the early church, and then into each and every one of our lives. We're going to break down the scriptures, the gospels, really into five separate parts today, understanding what the role of the Holy Spirit has been in each and every portion of the scripture and what he still wants to be in your life. So point number one today, if you're taking notes, make sure you are. In church, we're not gonna check them, but you're gonna need them later. Trust me, trust me, trust me. What does the teacher say when they're giving you the test? Refer back to your refer back to your notes. You're gonna have some tests. I hate to tell you that. You may say, Well, Pastor Philip, that's not very positive. Let me be positive. I'm positive you're gonna have some tests. (laughs) But be of good cheer, God says. Come on, I have overcome the world. You're an overcomer through Christ. Take notes in the house so you can pass the test. So point number one, he is the what of creation. He's the what. What is the what of creation? It doesn't take long for us to see the Holy Spirit showing up in the beginning of time. Genesis 1, verse 1 and 2, the first two verses of the Bible say these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, and the earth was without form and void. I haven't got time, but most believe, and I do myself, believe that something has happened and transpired between verse 1 and verse 2. Because what we see, everything God makes is perfect. We see that God made a heaven. God made an earth. But then the next account, or the description of the earth, was there was confusion, there was void, there was darkness. God's not into that. Something took place. I believe that was the fall of Lucifer that took place. That he caused a division in the heavens. He caused a division of mankind. He caused those kind of things. So something has happened that has taken what God has made and created and produced or turned it into emptiness because it goes on to say the earth was without form and void and darkness. God is not dark, God is light. Mm-hmm. In Him there is no darkness, the Bible says. God is light. And darkness was on the face of the deep. But notice this. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. The first mention of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God was Him hovering. Just almost like a helicopter. Just hovering above the water. That which had made it desolate. That which had made it destroyed. He was hovering over it. I love that. What a picture of him absolutely poised. He's poised. He's ready for action. He's in a holding pattern. He's waiting for instruction. He's waiting for direction. The New Living Translation talks about the world being empty and formless mass. Cloaked in darkness. But what? God's spirit was there. Present and ready. What a message. The what of the Holy Spirit hovering, poised, ready to act on the behalf of God. Psalms 104, verse 30 tells us this. The psalmist writes these words You sent forth your spirit, they are created, and you renewed the face of the earth. So here's the picture we see of the Holy Spirit in creation. He's actually the dynamo. He's the generator. He's the power source of the triune Godhead. He was the power that changed circumstances. He was the power that recreates. He's the power... That re-establishes. And if he can handle all of that. I think he can handle your problems. Do I hear an amen? And that's what you've got to understand. Because what he is in the scripture. Is what he needs to be to your life. Oh I don't know if God can handle. He can create this world. He can take that which is formless and void. And turn it into something magnificent and beautiful. I'm telling you. Listen to me today. He can handle your problems. If, 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 if. If you'll let if you'll invite him in, if you'll open up your heart and say, God, I need your help. So creation simplified is this. God's the one giving the orders. Holy Spirit's waiting to carry them out. The Holy Spirit receives the orders and he does the job. And every job he does, he does it well. Because if you would read through creation every day, God looked and says, wow, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. I, I need the what of the Holy Spirit in my life each and every day to help me and enable me that every day God can look down and say, That's good. That's good. Because that's what we need to hear one day. He says, Well done. The good and faithful servant. Faithful, what does that mean? Through every trials and tribulations, test. Every day, faithfulness is tested. Over a period of time. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. As God spoke the word, the Holy Spirit brought that spoken word into life. And creation took place. What a thing of beauty God created through the power of his Holy Spirit. A place for man to live, a place for man to dwell. And every day he performed a specific task. Read it. God says, let there be light. The Holy Spirit. Bam. God said, separate the waters from the sky. Bam. The Holy Spirit. Let trees and vegetation come. Bam. The Holy Spirit brought that to be. And until day seven, the Bible says that God could rest. Why could God rest? God could rest because everything had been completed. Everything had completed. God didn't rest because of exhaustion. God's like, man, I'm tired, I need a nap. Because we serve a God, the Bible says, that he never slumbers nor sleeps. His ear is ever... Inter- so why did God rest? Because of completion. Why was there completion? Because of the what of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, there's a completion that can come into each one of our lives through the operation and the power of of the Holy Spirit. So what do we see? He's the what in creation. Here's the next one. He's the what, or the what in the Old Testament. How do we see the role? What was his function after creation here on this earth? It actually doesn't take us long to see his constant involvement throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, specifically as he would empower individuals for a specific task or A purpose. Notice this, in the Old Testament, he would come and go. He would come upon for a specific task and he would be removed. But John testifies when Jesus is being baptized, God said to John, when you see the Spirit come down and don't leave, that's the Son, that's the promise. Jesus came and the Holy Spirit came upon him and it didn't leave. That's the promise we now have. And I don't want to jump ahead, but in the Old Testament, all they had was a presence that would come and leave. That would touch them for a moment and touch them for a task. The Old Testament is full of those. Joseph, what a message we heard last week. Did anyone enjoy that message? Come on, the test. He was tempered. But he was tempered for what reason? That he would remain true to God. That every step along the way. And some of these stories may be familiar to you. We're excited next month because... Next month, in the month of October, we're going to be looking at Bible greats, the stories of the Bible. We like to do that. Telling and retelling. It's going to be Sunday school next month. Amen. We're going to learn the great stories of the Bible and how they can appeal to each and every one of our lives. But what do we know from Joseph if we paid attention last week? He was hated by his brothers. And he was hated because he had a dream, a dream that wasn't even his. A dream where he saw them bowing down to worship him. That wasn't a popular dream. Especially when you understand the culture of that day. Because the culture of that day firmly made the point that the older was the one who would be in charge. And the younger would serve the older. But what did Joseph see in his dream? Joseph saw something completely different. He saw completely opposite. He saw that the youngest or the younger would be worshipped. By those who were older. And the Bible says, you can read it for yourself when you get home in Genesis 37. The Bible says that his brothers sought for opportunity to kill him. To take his life. To destroy his life. And one day, they had an opportunity. They were about to kill him. They threw him in a pit. But then they had a better idea. Let's let's make some money out of this joker. Let's sell him on. And they sold him as a slave. And they took the return. They took the money. They separated amongst themselves. They profited from their brother. He was sold. But what do we see in the life of Joseph? He was promoted. But yet again, he found himself in jail. But it wasn't long before he found himself second in charge. Why did all that happen? God used probably one of the most sinful men of that time. To tell us exactly why that happened. And not just probably one of the most sinful, but the most powerful men. That would live on the face of the earth at that time. Pharaoh, the prince, the king of Egypt. He said these words in Genesis 41 verse 38. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this? A man in whom is the spirit of God. Pharaoh, an ungodly king, even recognized that the only way that Joseph could distinguish himself above anyone else was because of an excellent spirit that wasn't of him, but a spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God that would come upon him and help him, give him interpretation of dreams, enable him in his life. What an encouragement for us that even through our darkest moments, In our toughest times, just like Joseph, God's Holy Spirit can come upon us and give us a test. It can bring us through. That people around can look and say, what is it about them? I don't know. But there's something I need to find out. How about Joshua? Remember Joshua? Joshua was the one that took over from Moses. Moses was the deliverer. He took the children of Israel out of the wilderness. But Moses never was able to take the children of Israel into the land of promise. It was Joshua's task. God said to him, be strong and be courageous. But look what it says of Numbers 27 verse 18. And it says, The Lord said to Moses, That Joshua, the son of Nun, with you. He is a man in whom is the Spirit. You lay hands upon him. Think about this. With 200 plus people, God singles Joshua out of everyone else. And what is one of the distinguishing factors that God says, my Spirit is within him? My Holy Spirit. The what? The Holy Spirit is there. So God chooses him through the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of Joseph. How about Samson? Anyone know about Samson? What do we know about Samson? He had long hair. Anyone know? He was a hippie. He was a... Most of us know more about the failure of Samson than we do about the success. But Samson was a strong man, the Bible tells us, that had a secret to his strength. I believe this, that we have this image of Samson, that he's got all these rippling muscles in the six pack. I know you're trying to imagine him just like me. I know how you are, but I, I don't believe Samson was like that. Because if Samson was like that, Delilah would know that. But she said, what is the secret? There's a secret to your strength. There's something different about you. She asked in Judges chapter 16 this question, what makes you so strong? Because a mere human being doesn't pick up the jawbone of a donkey and kill a thousand trained soldiers. That, that, that just doesn't happen. But you know what the Bible would say over and over again in the life of Samson, Judges fourteen nineteen is one of those cases. It says, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily and he went down. You see, the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him and it would equip him and it would help him to do supernatural things. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to come not just upon us, but live within us. To equip us, to help us, to strengthen us, to do supernatural things. In other words, things beyond our reasoning, things beyond our understanding, things beyond our strength, but never beyond the strength of of God. But what do we see in the life of Samson? I believe there's something that we need to see in the life of Samson and that is this, he misused his power. He misused that which was given to him. You see, it's more than just having the power, you've got to be connected to the source. And Samson lived in the power and lost relationship to the source. We've got to watch that we don't live in the power that we forget the giver. That we forget the God of our lives. Because when Samson made it just about his power and strength, he misused his strength and ability. And God or allowed man to take him down. He died prematurely. And there's so many more through the scriptures. Read the Old Testament, it's full of them. There's Daniel, there's Esther, there's Ruth, there's Saul, there's John. My favorite is probably David. Anyone know David? Just that young shepherd boy. The one who wrestles with a lion and a bear and he comes out victorious. And then if that's not good enough, he takes on a giant. I mean, what? Who is this guy? I mean, who is this guy? You know who this guy is? He's just a young shepherd boy. He who has yielded his life, who loves Jesus, who the Holy Spirit would come. Because David said, you can come to me with everything you want, but here's my foundation. Here's where I come from. I come to you in the name of... Of the Lord. I come to you in the power of God. He had confidence in God. We also see through the scriptures that it gives reference through the Old Testament and the New. But we see also in 2 Peter 1, verse 21 For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. We see God would move upon individual, ordinary men that would take pen to hand and they would write down the canon, the grouping of scriptures that we have now called the Bible as God inspired them, literally breathed His Word into them. So through the Old Testament, we see such a working, such an enabling, such a helping, such a strengthening. But also there's something that we see in the Old Testament is this, that the Holy Spirit was a regenerative spirit. What do we mean by that? His whole purpose through everything that he would do through men and women was to turn the hearts back to God. A heart that through sin had become separated and God had to banish Adam and Eve out of his garden, out of his presence. A a life that was lived now separate really from the presence of God. But what do we see over and over again? The Holy Spirit's role was to draw man back, to set up the time, and the place for Jesus to come, that people would be drawn back to him. Point number three, with me today, here's the what of Jesus. What was the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus? Even before his conception, we see the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. We see him present, we see him working. When the angel Gabriel comes to Mary in Luke 1 34, 35, then Mary said to the angel, Are you crazy? Imagine you're just going about your business, a young girl, and their angel comes and says, hey, you're going to have a son. What would your response be? She's like, man, what? who are you? What? But how will this be? You see, she asked a question. There's always a question in our life. We can always say, but God, how can you use me? Why would you use me? But God, what if I don't understand? What if I'm unable? We always have a question, but I want you to know today, God still has the answer. Because when she said, how can this be? I don't know a man. I'm a virgin. How can I give birth? How can I be impregnated? How can this happen to me? It doesn't happen. I may not know much, but I know enough to know that doesn't happen. And the angel answered and said unto her, Come on, the angel said it's a God thing. Come on, the angel said it's a God thing. Because what do we read? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Come on. And the power of the highest Will overshadow you. Therefore, also, the Holy One who was to be born of you will be called the Son of God. And it happened. Jesus was born. Man tried to stop it through Joseph. He put her away or wanted to put her away. And the Bible says an angel spoke to him and said, Don't put her away. Take her to be your wife. Protect her. Don't shame her. Take her in. And Jesus was born. And not much of his childhood is really recorded. In fact, almost to the age of 30, not much is known of his life. We do know that he got lost one day from his parents. And we know this scripture of Luke 2, verse 52. And this is the curriculum we use for our children's ministry, 2.52, a great curriculum. And it comes from this passage. It says this, Luke 2.52, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. And man, for those years, he lived under the instruction, the teaching of his parents. Parents, it's so important that we instruct our children. We teach them the word of God. We have them in the house. I need the Holy Spirit to help me raise my children. I need the Holy Spirit to help me to respond in the right way. Because Luke and them can tell, I don't always respond in the right way. I get mad like everyone else. I need the Holy Spirit so we can respond and be what God. And then one day Jesus, at the age of 30, he comes to be baptized. His ministry is about to begin. And in the picture here, we see the triune Godhead. It says this in Matthew three sixteen and 17. When he had been baptized, Jesus came immediately out from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God. Say with me, Holy Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting upon him. It was like a dove. It wasn't a dove. On Saturday mornings, we've been talking about the symbols of the Holy Spirit, showing the nature of God. The dove is a gentleness. The gentle nature of God, that gentle nudge, that wooing spirit of God that He wants to be in your life. But He can also be a wind. He can also be a fire. He can be water. We see the effects of what water's done around us. So he can be gentle, but he can be a presence too in our lives. And he deals with us in the right way at the right time. But right here we see the Holy Spirit. And then suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What's the guy's name that always does that on the TV? What's his name? Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Is it Morgan Freeman? Everyone here, Morgan Freeman? That's how God's going to sound in heaven. But what do we see there? We see the Holy Spirit. Jesus being baptized. The Holy Spirit comes down. And God's voice says, I'm well pleased. But isn't it amazing that the very next thing that happens in the life of Jesus is, the Bible says, the Spirit of God drove him into a wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Amazing. You would have thought the Holy Spirit would have come and just lifted him above every problems and trials and he would have never had any more struggles. Where would we be today without our struggles? Where would we be today without our trials? But it's through the storms. It's through the tribulations. It's through those things that we learn a greater trust in God. A greater stamina of our faith. And we have a greater resistance and resilience that is built through the oppositions that have. But look what it says in Matthew 4 verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. To be tempted of the devil. This was his test. A test that he had to overcome. Just like with Samson. He had to overcome a test. His test of his power was not to be used for his own means. And for his own gain. But the power that God had given to him. Was a power that was to be used to touch other people. And to make a difference for other people's lives. And one of my favorite scriptures in reference to Jesus in the Bible is in the book of Acts, recalling the life of Jesus. And it says, now God anointed, Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? With the Holy Spirit and with power. And went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Jesus lived. Jesus moved. Jesus worked miracles through the power, the Bible says, of the Holy Spirit. Why? Why talk about this? Why talk about creation? Why talk about the old? Why talk about the life of Christ? Because I need you to see something that all this is just foreshadowing the power that he was making available to every Believer. And listen to me. Jesus says these words in reference to what I do. Jesus said, You're going to do greater works. Greater works. Greater works. Now, what's greater than raising the dead? There's probably nothing greater than that. But what Jesus was really speaking about was the multiplication of the works. He could heal someone right there. But what if every one of us are on a mission each and every day? Think how many people we can reach and touch through our lives daily, touching other people and making a difference in their lives and in their world. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. He was raised in the Holy Spirit. He was baptized with the Holy Spirit. He went forth in the Holy Spirit throughout the entirety of his life. Come on, the what of the Holy Spirit enabled him to do everything that he needed to do. Point number four. Here's the what of the early church. So we've seen the what of creation, the what of the Old Testament, the what of the life of Jesus. Now the what of the early church. Acts 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power. When, what? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Acts 2, 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What we see promised. In the Old Testament. What we see demonstrated. In the life of Christ. What was given for just a moment. Back then. Now was sent in its complete fullness. For you and I. That's why I believe. There is no greater day. That we could perhaps ever live. Than right now. Because we can live in the complete fullness. Of the presence of God. A power source. To help us. To live for God to be an effective witness. He said you to receive power to be my witness. To touch other people. I didn't say you couldn't witness without the Holy Spirit. I didn't say you didn't have power without the Holy Spirit. But the word of God is very clear to say there's a power that comes through the Holy Spirit. So whatever power you have right now, God says, I want to give you more. It's like playing one of those video games. You ever get one of those super boosts where there's like a glow all around you and you get to jump twice as high and you get to run twice as fast? I'm not saying that's what the Holy Spirit does to your life. But what I'm saying is there's definitely an accompanying power and witness and presence that the Bible says comes with him. Think about this. After the day of Pentecost, in one day, 5,000 People were saved. And if you read on through the book of Acts, it says, and every day God multiplied. He first started to add, and then he said, that's not enough. I want to start multiplying. And every day God multiplied his church. Wow, wow. But you've got to understand this. It wasn't building programs that saved them. They didn't even have a place really to meet. They didn't have flashy buildings. They didn't have lights and sound systems. They didn't have the men's group that's Tuesday night, you need to be here, all the men. They didn't have the ladies' sisterhood. They didn't have the Connect Plus last Friday of every month. They didn't have... All of those things. Nothing wrong with those things. But they didn't have all those things. But what caused growth, what caused revival to break out was individuals coming together, receiving the Holy Spirit and through His indwelling power. Come on, are you still with me today? Others were touched and others were reached. I want you to catch what I just said because church didn't grow By buildings. Church grew by the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because of the change that happened within the people that the Holy Spirit moved upon. Because they're saying, hold on, they were ignorant and unlearned men. Now look, something's happened. There's a new boldness in their life. Something's taken place. Why? Because ordinary people now had something extraordinary to give. Acts 3 verse 6 Peter and John said these words, silver and gold. I don't have. Come on. But what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. I'm telling you right now, you're listening to me. This wasn't their first encounter with Bill. The Bible doesn't say his name's Bill, but for our message today, he's Bill. This is not their first encounter with Bill. In fact, the Bible clearly says he was laid daily at. The temple gate. The Bible also says that daily they went up into the temple to praise God. So, what does that mean? Every day, however many days that was, they passed that same man. They probably knew him by name, he knew them by name. They probably slipped them a few bucks here and there. But something was different this day. What was different this day? I'm telling you, what was different? They had something different to give him. They didn't just have a few bucks to feed them a meal. They had a new power inside of them because they had just come through Pentecost and the power of God came upon them. So as they're walking about, something inside of them stops and says, hold on a second. I'm not going to throw you a couple of bucks because let me give you something greater than I have. And the Bible says it immediately. He got up and walked. That doesn't happen except by the power of and the anointing of God. You may say, oh, that's just by chance. Hey, label it whatever you want. But I see the progression through the scripture right there because God says you're going to receive power to be a witness. There was a power that day and there was a witness. How do we know that? Because that man went walking, leaping and jumping into the temple and people around said, who's that? And they said, that's the man who was blind that will lay him outside the gate. There was a witness that day. Power and a witness that took place. By what? The, the what of the Holy Spirit. That's what the God, the Holy Spirit wants to do inside of our lives. Last point, nearly done. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's nearly done. He's nearly done, nearly done, nearly done. Nearly done. Nearly done. Point number five. The what of your life. Creation, Old Testament really New Testament life of Christ, early church. Now the last part. Your life. My life. Picture this today. If you could. Can I steal that one? Picture this today. The what of your life is like a pen in your hand. Because this is the story that you can write. And the story of your life that God wants to write Through your life. In other words, you're the author of this book. Now we know that God is the author, the perfecter, the finisher, but the biography is of you. The what of your life is the biography of your life, of what God wants to do in your life. And hopefully we'll see it all tied together because the reason why we've gone on a journey today is that the what of creation, the regenerating, the hovering presence that was a dynamo a dynamo power that took what was messed up and fixed it and changed it the one of the old testament that would come upon people and enable them to do things that within their own power and ability They could not do, pointing the way to Christ. The life of Christ, the same example that we see, and greater things, God says, than these, than you can do. The early church, the multiplication, the addition, the lives that were touched, the boldness that came to all of their lives. All of that is just the introduction to your life. What's going to be the what of your life? All that is just to pave the way, to show each and every one of you what's available through the power and the infilling power of the Holy Spirit. If in the Old Testament in 2 Samuel 22 verse 30, David could say these words, For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God can I leap over a wall. What could our statement be today? Come on, what can our statement be today? Because the promise, the power, the accompanying presence, the infilling presence of God wants to be with us. David knew that would come upon him. But think about living in that each and every day. The difference it won't only make for us, but the difference our life can make for other people. I believe our story should say this. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Why? Because he's the what? that every one of us needs for our life. He's the promise of God for you. Jesus, being taken from this earth, ascending to heaven, said, hold on a second, just before I go, go and wait over there, because I want to send you something. I think that's important. The last words that Jesus said to His disciples was, wait for the power of, And the presence of the Holy Spirit. So what's next? It's up to you. The Holy Spirit's available. It's your gift. But a gift has to be received. Has to be received. So the first what that we need to address is this. What is stopping me from entering into the fullness of God? In my life. Don't let it be a misunderstanding. Don't let it be fear. Don't let it be doubt. But I pray each and every message. You're realizing in a greater. And a greater way. The fact that it's a promise of God. For your life. The promise of God that will change your life. Not just today. But forever. The what of creation.
1: The what of the Old Testament.
0: The what of the life of Christ. Yeah. The what in the early church. But here's the big question. The what of your life.
1: Yeah. Come on.
0: Come on. He's
1: everything. Yes. He's everything. Yes. Some of
0: you are going to watch football today. And one of the segments you're going to see on the TV is this. Come on, man. <laughs> you ever watch football, you know what I mean. And for those of you who don't, they identify crazy plays or things that people should have done. Easy catches me. Just just stumbling and falling over their own feet. And they make fun and say, come on, man, we're not making fun of you. We're not making fun of anyone. But I really believe in a good way. In heaven, we would say, hear from God. Come on, man. Come on. Receive my promise. Yes. Yes. Receive my blessing. Yes. Because yes. I left yes. so you can have it. Because yes. I left to give you something better than me. Think about that. Because really, we're still getting here. Because he's God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bow your heads all over this place today. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. I just don't know about this stuff, Pastor Phil. There's a saying out there in the world that says this the proof of the pudding is in the rejecting. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. The Bible says it this way Tasting, see that the Lord is good. Yeah, he's a good God. We sing that song, don't we? He's a good, good father. That's who he is. That's what he is. Because he is good. And I'm telling you right now, the test of every one of our lives and the proof of every one of our lives is in the testing of God. It's in the testing of God and his presence and his power for every one of our lives. And we just thank God today that we can taste and see that the Lord is good. Can we just stand to our feet, Lord?